a massive Microsoft leak painting a detailed picture for its vision of Xbox. A big Nintendo Direct revealing some unexpected remakes with an unrelated teaser for what's after the Switch. Some talk shows attempting and failing to make a comeback as the Hollywood strikes continue. Samsung revealing a very interesting credit card you can track with your phone. And AT&T pulling off a historic phone call. This and more taking over the headlines of the past week. I'm Jason Griwa, and this is The Fresh Wire. Hey everyone, hope uh, you are all doing well. As I said, I'm Jason Griwa, and welcome back to another episode of The Fresh Wire. It is 9.47pm on September 19th, 2023. I'm officially 24 years old. How about that? And I uh, hope you're doing well, whether it's your morning, afternoon, evening, night, wherever you are, whenever you're listening, I appreciate you tuning in. So let's jump right in because there is a whole lot that's happened in the past week. It's pretty wild, some of the things that have happened, but as always, we start off with the entertainment. I would love to start with Microsoft, but we got to be focused, as I always am. And it's actually a little bit of good news here and there. Uh, the Writers Guild of America has confirmed that that talks with the AMPTP, so the Hollywood Studios, will resume and restart Wednesday. So for me, that would be tomorrow. For you, that might be whenever you're listening, probably today or in the past. So yeah, the writers and studios are set to resume negotiations and sit back down Wednesday, the WGA sending out a note to members confirming that the talks will initiate a confirmed schedule to bargain uh, they said in a statement, the WGA and AMPTP now have a confirmed schedule to bargain this week starting on Wednesday. You might not hear from us in the coming days while we, are, while we are negotiating, but know that our focus is getting a fair deal for writers as soon as possible. Uh, in the meantime, please continue to de demonstrate your commitment and unity by coming out to the picket lines for yourselves and fellow writers, SAG-AFTRA, other unions members, and all those in our community who are impacted by this. So, go okay. That's good. Uh, I hope the writers get what they want, at least for the most part. Um, something that can be a deal that is favorable across the board. I am fully on board with it. So, yeah, that's it, it, big news. Uh, this just came around um, yesterday as of the time I'm recording this. So, big news. Um, I respect that a lot. Uh, what I don't respect were, at least partially... The talk shows that were actually coming back, no matter what was going to happen, um, in the short term, and it looks like all of the talk shows that were in the the news involving uh, the strikes and that they were going to continue without the unionized writers. Uh, in this case, the talk, the Drew Barrymore show, and I think uh, the Bill Hare uh, show. Um, they were all said to push forward and continue record, uh, recording new episodes um, after, I guess, months of not recording due to the strikes. Um, but in the case of the Drew Barrymore show, I think they were picketing. The official said, oh, it's not a struck show, but the WGA said it is. Um, and so they've all since retracted uh, their scheduled premieres. Um, I'm not sure if any episodes were filmed. I think for the Drew Barrymore show, there was at least one. Um, but 
the talk is pausing its season premiere scheduled for it was yesterday um cbs said in a statement and that they'll continue to evaluate plans for a new launch date it follows drew barrymore's decision to pause the return of her self-titled talk show amid wga backlash it's produced and distributed by cbs media ventures uh, at the time, it was revealed that the show, the talk, would return. Sources said, uh, the reading is from a Deadline article. Sources said that the talk was primarily unscripted and only had one writing position out of 150 employees. Uh, no one would be handling the writing role during the writer strike and hosts would be ad-libbing. But it looks like, I guess due to backlash and the reaction from the Drew Barrymore show, that they will not be pushing forward. Uh, as of now, I'm certain it's not going to be canceled, almost certain at least, and it's just going to move forward once the strikes end. I remember reading the Bill Maher show that, sorry if I'm saying that wrong, um, that he was going to push forward with the show because the strikes were I think, too long or whatnot, but then saw negotiations were set to commence soon and pulled back from moving forward with uh, returning to that show. So at least there's that. Um, it'll be fine when they do return with the assumption that these strikes ended. Um, now, a little bit of good news. The Motion Picture Editors Guild has ratified a new animation deal with Nickelodeon. So a bit of good labor news. Uh, as the Writers Guild exceeds 140 days... And the sag after strike exceeded two months, nearing two and a half. The Editor's Guild agreement approved unanimously September 14th, reported by Deadline. And about 70 post-production members of the Kathy Rapola-led guild are affected by the new four-year contract. So, that's good. Uh, the last contract with Nickelodeon expired February, uh, which means that this new agreement's wage bumps are retroactive to March and could see more increases out of the next basic agreement negotiations. So a little bit of good news that at least some uh, unions, I, I know about the big automaker strike that's going on right now that will likely uh, increase in size of the strike uh, soon. Um, but at least one union, I guess, was able to get some sort of contract in between all of this, animated-related. Um, so there's that. Now, of course, because of this huge strike affecting actors and uh, writers, around now, this fall, you would probably start to see brand new shows coming in for uh, over-the-air television. So ABC, Fox, CBS, and NBC. Well, NBC pre-prepared shows for their fall lineup. I guess, in the chance that there was a strike coming. So I'm not sure how old these shows were. Uh, CBS and... Uh, CBS specifically, I heard, they're going to be having the original UK showing of the Ghosts show. They have their own show called Ghosts that's been playing with new episodes, but due to the strike, they're bringing back the UK version, I've uh, read. And a show called NCIS uh, Sydney... Uh, which is an Australian uh, version of uh, NCIS, I think will also be coming to, I think, CBS. So uh, Fox has a lot of shows coming up as well. Um, I think one of their big headliners are going to be um, animation, uh, of course, 
and Kitchen Nightmares, which I think is premiering in the coming days. I'm actually excited for that, um, personally. Um, but I'm not sure if it's related to the strikes. I think that was pre-prepared. ABC. What about ABC? Um, well, ABC is doing something crazy. For the first time since 2006, they're going to be simulcasting, what I read, virtually all of the Monday night football games. Now, I say this is the first time in, I think, 17 years because in 2006, the Disney-owned network had their the rights of Monday Night Football move over to ESPN. The system. So Monday Night Football would play there rather than ABC. Well, that's no longer the case because a lot of games are going to be filling in what probably would have been some big reality, uh, some big show that would have played Monday night. I think what I read was Dancing with the Stars originally played Monday night, but it says here that's being moved to Tuesday night starting September 26th. I think it's also going to play on Disney+. And Bachelor in Paradise and the new spinoff, The Golden Bachelor, will also be moved to Thursday night starting September 28th. So Monday just became a big night sports-wise for ABC. Um... Now, some games will be doubleheaders, and there are still, looks like, some games that will not play on ABC. For example, um, there was a doubleheader uh, this past Monday, that, which means there was a game that played on a ABC and ESPN+, and a game that played on ESPN and ESPN. And from what I have saw in commercials, that's going to happen again this upcoming Monday. Um, actually, it says here, the Rams at Bengals, September 25th, which I think will play on ESPN because there will be an ABC game. And... This sucks, uh, as a Dolphins fan. Uh, Titans at Dolphins on December 11th also looks like will not be played on ABC. It'll be an ESPN football exclusive. Um, which is fine. I have ESPN. Uh, which, yeah, that's okay. But, yeah, a lot of games that were originally going to be only on ESPN are going to be played on ABC. Uh, because, is it an act of desperation? Well, I'll just say it was convenient. Um... And, hey, I mean, more people will be able to see the football games, at least, for cheaper, rather than needing a subscription to ESPN. Um, assuming they play on ESPN+, Plus, you could get that. But, I mean, yesterday's game, yesterday being Monday, ABC game was on ESPN+. Plus. I don't think the other one said it was on ESPN+. Plus. I can't confirm that. I didn't personally check, but um, that is something to keep in mind. But otherwise, if it's not a doubleheader, and it's not those two games I mentioned, one of them being a doubleheader, I'm not sure about the other, one in December, then cool. If you can get ABC, enjoy the Monday Night Football like it's 2005 all over again. Now, going a little bit back to the strike as well, uh, Hallmark, if you know all about, if you know Hallmark and you don't mean the cards, you probably mean the holiday movies, and they just announced this morning a 40 title Holiday movie slate not impacted by strikes. This is crazy. 40 movies. Starting October 20th, I'm seeing this whole list, into December 17th. 40 movies. I have not seen Hallmark Channel in a while, but wow. 40 movies. I don't know. Something about that. That's all new original movies for both its flagship channel and Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, which is uh, another Hallmark Channel as well as special content for Hallmark Movies Now, the company's subscription streaming service. So they anticipated the labor dispute, uh, Hallmark, by getting a head start on production in Canada. 
statement from the EVP of programming at Hallmark Media says, Christmas is a year-round business at Hallmark, so we were able to mitigate early in the year, understanding that the strikes were unfortunately eminent. We're grateful to meet all our goals for a full, all-new holiday slate and to bring our viewers the content they love most to celebrate this season. Very interesting stuff. Um, I wanted to mention that because that's just 40 movies. That caught me off guard. If it was like a lower number, I don't even know if I would have mentioned it. But 40? That's crazy. That's that's uh, more than a movie a month. <laughs> Pretty nuts. Um, now, it could be that the strike could be heading an interesting direction. California Governor Gavin Newsom has said in an interview that he has talked with the Writers Guild of America and the studios in the past week and will meet again with them later, quote, later this week. Very interesting. Um, to have the governor involved. I mean, this is a huge deal, and part of the strike is in California. I think part of it's also in New York, but of course, Hollywood strikes, Hollywood, California. Um, so this is a big deal, and this is this is going to make it much more curious on where this will go. Uh, Gavin Newsom, very prominent uh, politician, um, gets in the news a lot, and I'm very curious to see if he'll have any sort of uh, impact. Um, it's noted that Gavin Newsom supports the United Auto Workers in its strike against the big three U.S. automakers uh, with Chevrolet, Jeep, Salentis, uh, uh, I think it's Jeep, or Chrysler, we're not... Um, but said you don't want to go that far when it comes to WGA and SAG-AFTRA. Um, he said he supports, as it relates to their exis uh, existential stress related to streaming and relating to artificial intelligence. Um, yeah, but it's going to be very interesting. Uh, the reporter that interviewed Gavin Newsom said experts estimate that the writer and actor strikes already have cost the state, so I guess California, $5 billion, and Newsom interrupted saying probably more. So yeah, I mean, this the strike's a big deal. I mean, I think it's one of the, the writer's one specifically is one of the longest-lasting strikes in Hollywood union strike history. I think it was uh, three months, a little over three months, the 07 to 08 one, 2007-2008, uh, and now this exceeded, I think, four months. Huge deal. Huge deal. Um, another huge deal. This was just announced. I got the email uh, this afternoon. Uh, going a little bit now into... Still into entertainment, but a little less from the strike. Talked a lot about the strike. Let's just continue forward. Max, formerly HBO Max, formerly HBO Now slash HBO Go, formerly whatever. Uh, after rumors for a while... They are officially introducing a live sports tier, a $10 monthly service that will include live sports, including NBA, NHL, uh, Major League Baseball, and the NCAA men's basketball tournament, all of which covered by Warner Bros. Discovery, the last one being a joint venture with Paramount. All of that will now be covered and viewable to max subscribers and until the end of february i read it's no additional cost for existing subscribers so i guess if you were not subscribed to now now it's going to be 10 bucks but if you have had max like me well yeah you just got live sports for the next few months and no extra cost so that's pretty cool um as of the most recent quarter warner bros discovery has reported about 
95.8 million global streaming subscribers, most of those on Max. The new sports tier rolling out as WBD is getting set to hold talks with the NBA about a multi-billion dollar rights extension. Current deals with Disney slash ESPN and WBD expire at the end of the 2024-2025 season. So this could push them maybe to say, hey, look, all these people that watched it through our services, including um, TNT, TBS, and True TV. I mean, come on, offer a little more money. Uh, so I don't know. Very interesting stuff. Um, as I already have TNT and uh, whatnot, TBS, through my uh, TV service, this would not make sense for me to have. I actually have been considering to cancel Max because of their price hike when they swapped over from HBO Max to Max. But for six months, we were able to keep the features and quality options that we had at this price. Six months. I think it was May that it changed over. So it's nearing six months. Um, but I guess now with free live sports, maybe we'll keep it a little bit longer. Um, very well timed, by the way, six months being, you know, coming up now. Hey, I mean, if you stay a little longer, you get live sports for free. Uh, strange. Well timed. I'll just say well timed. Um, and I wanted to throw this in there. I don't really talk about music much, but this is actually, uh, is pretty exciting. Blink 182 reveals the first new album with classic lineup in 12 years. Uh, titled One More Time, dot, 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 featuring bassist singer Mark Hoppus, drummer Travis Baker, and newly rejoined co-founding guitarist singer Tom DeLange. Said to hit the markets October 20th, DeLange returned to the San Diego Rooted Group in 2022 after seven years. So the band's back together. They launched a reunion tour in early May after a surprise appearance at Coachella in mid-April. And... Uh, yeah, the first new set featuring the group's mega platinum core lineup since 2011's Neighborhoods. So, yeah, big deal. I mean, they've been making music since, but with different people, not not the full original uh, cast. In it. Um, this is awesome. I like Blink-182. I like a lot of their music. And I'm excited to listen to this when it releases uh, next month. Exciting stuff. Just wanted to put it out there. Um, now, a little more. A little more stuff. We're ending off the movie segment with a little bit of box office updates. I saw Oppenheimer. Fantastic movie, especially in IMAX. And as of the 16th, it crossed $900 million at the global box office. Um, so that makes it the biggest Nolan film, Christopher Nolan film of all time, at the international box office when restated to today's dollars. It's his third biggest film ever globally behind The Dark Knight Rises and The Dark Knight. Overseas, it's the second biggest in reported grosses behind The Dark Knight Rises. And Offshore, it's his highest grossing film in 64 markets, including the UK, where it has now surpassed Dunkirk. Uh, another film that I didn't get to see in theaters, but I did see. Also a very good film, in my opinion. Um, so, big deal. One of the most successful international biopics um, in history. I read that somewhere. Um, it's very close to being the... I think the most successful. This article doesn't show it, but I definitely read it somewhere. Um, but yeah, big stuff for Oppenheimer. Great film. And uh, I enjoyed it. I'll just say I enjoyed it. Um, what I don't enjoy, I wanted to mention this because I've been talking about X, formerly known as Twitter, here and there. But apparently 
Elon Musk has floated a plan to charge a, quote, small monthly payment for anyone to use the social media platform. I don't understand his plan. Genuinely. It seems like he's consistently making some very strange decisions. And he said, we're wanting it to be just a small amount of money. It's a longer discussion, but in my view, this is the only defense against vast armies of bots because as AI gets very, very good, it's actually able to pass these sort of CAPTCHA tests better than humans. So he's suggesting to have the small monthly payment as to combat bots, AI bots, that are able to pass CAPTCHA tests. I mean, he's also losing a lot of money from the platform, so I'm a bit surprised he doesn't say that's... The main reason, I mean, I guess that would be a greedy reason, selfish reason. Um, genuinely, I think to charge everyone a monthly payment to use a social media platform would kill the platform. I don't know if that's what he wants to do, but he suggested in a discussion Monday uh, that it would be a lower tier pricing structure than its $8 per month Twitter Blue or X Premium or whatever they call it. Uh, yeah, no, that's... That's wrong. I don't know. I mean, I mean, this is an actual article, but that that's just r ridiculous. I I just don't understand that. Um, let's just get away from that topic. It always confuses me what he does nowadays. Uh, what is also confusing, but completely insane. We're going into video games, uh, and of course, we're starting off hot. The massive Microsoft Xbox leak. So if you're into video games at all, you probably know that Microsoft's latest consoles are the Xbox Series S and the Xbox Series X. They launched November, or at least late 2020, and they've overall been well-received um, for people that aren't into PCs. They like the Xbox Game Pass subscription service, all the games you have access to, the cloud streaming. Overall... It's a pretty good option, pretty good alternative to PlayStation 5, uh, which is actually what I own. My sister has the Series S. Pretty cool stuff. Uh, I actually have the Xbox One X from before. Pretty good console, but of course, because of the hard drive, it's not as fast or really nowhere near as fast as the PlayStation 5. I don't really use it anymore, but that's off, the, off topic. Uh Recently, there's been a FTC versus Microsoft case going on where Microsoft's trying to acquire the massive video game developer Activision Blizzard, um, which makes some very well-known games, including Overwatch, Call of Duty, uh, Crash Bandicoot, um, World of Warcraft, and they also own King, you know, makers of Candy Crush Saga. Uh, Microsoft wants to buy that whole company and have it under Microsoft's wing. Uh, massive, massive deal. A lot of countries immediately uh, tried to fight it in court, and they've all been unsuccessful except for, I think, the UK. It's all in the UK at this point. Even the US one, I think a judge ruled that it can proceed. Um, so big deal. But recently, very recent, last night, um, unredacted documents were leaked accidentally by Microsoft, according to the FTC, that reveal critical Microsoft communications between Xbox executives, including Phil Spencer, uh, Xbox head, um, on his thoughts on the PS5. Plans for a new diskless Xbox Series X, a gyro controller, or at least a controller that allows you to lift to wake, maybe not gyro, but you can achieve that with an accelerometer, 
and even a next-gen hybrid Xbox in 2028, where Microsoft thinks that will be when Generation 10 initiates. Generation 9 would be the Xbox Series consoles and the PlayStation 5, which started in 2020. 2028 would be a little higher than I think normal because the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One consoles were Gen 8, Generation 8. And that was 2013 to 2020. So a little longer, but that is because these consoles are able to achieve a lot more and are able to last a lot longer. There's less of a reason, great, I'll just say that. Um, at least from beyond these. There's plenty of reason from the old. So, yeah, the court says Microsoft leaked its own documents. But here's the big one. They, it, There's also images, and the images are pretty nuts. It shows off Microsoft's new Xbox controller, uh, $70 game pad arriving in uh, 2024 reportedly um the console suggesting that microsoft could lean toward a hybrid computing approach uh now i will say a lot of this information uh, specifically this was in a pitch document in around may 2022 so a lot could have changed in the past year i mean some some of these documents and emails were from 2020 including a very big one that i'll soon um the company imagined you playing these sort of games that are hybrid computing with the combined power of a sub 99 dollar gadget possibly a handheld and it's x cloud platform simultaneous very big deal um this this slide showing oops the slide showing that the next gen approach will be cloud hybrid games and an immersive game and app platform so again very big stuff uh, microsoft in the documents calls the idea quote cohesive hybrid compute a cloud to edge architecture across silicon graphics and os enabling ubiquitous play microsoft suspected would also need an npu machine learning ai coprocessor to provide a wide variety of benefits including super resolution latency compensation frame rate interpolation and more so from this slide it shows that there are things that are already established in microsoft gaming um things that are in research and proof of concept and others that are in fertile future ideation one interesting thing that's in fertile future ideation is frame rate interpolation that was actually um not sure if it's ahead of schedule from what microsoft anticipated but nvidia did just introduce last year that with their latest 40 series gpus that you can interpolate the frame rate using their um deep learning super sampling technology it's in very select games, and you need their very high-end GPUs, one that I don't even have saying something. And so maybe it's not just future ideation. It's already in games on PC. So it might just be in research at this point if they're still pursuing something like this. I have no idea. This is obviously something they did not anticipate releasing. It was must have been completely accidental and does paint a interesting picture for xbox and microsoft as a whole now for their consoles that i find even more interesting right now microsoft has the xbox series x it has a 4k blu-ray disc drive it has i think a front usb port it's very boxy well there's a photo of this new discless xbox series x with a with the lift away controller in a different slide and it's pretty interesting stuff. There's a lot of info on it. Um, now, of course, this is a pitch document. So this is probably to pitch these sort of ideas for future console releases and for future 
projects at Microsoft. So this is all unconfirmed. This is what at least someone is trying to pitch to Microsoft to get funded and to get up and running for the future. So it's an Xbox Series X refresh. It's actually more of a cylinder look. It has a USB Type-C port, the same port that's now going to be iPhones uh, that I talked about last week. And it looks like it's going to have very similar performance, but it's going to have the all-new, more immersive controller, the lift to wake, and I guess improved haptics from what I read. Codenamed Brooklyn, it will also have Brook and Brook L. Uh, it will also have Wi-Fi 6E, which I think is better Wi-Fi than what's in the Series X. I don't know if what the Xbox Series X has. I don't think it's 6E if they're mentioning it here. It's either 5 or 6. Same for the PlayStation uh, 5. Um, improved Bluetooth technology, a more efficient processor, and they say the same great price of $499, which is interesting because... If you're going to refresh a console, that also means it should be cheaper to manufacture. But it's looking like Microsoft's taking advantage of this improved processing efficiency and improving other aspects across the board. Uh, the improved controller, modernizing the input-outputs, such as the Type-C port, changing up the look where it... I don't... I can't tell if it's smaller or about the same size. I would doubt... I doubt it's large. Uh, improved wireless technology, and more internal storage. That's actually a big one. Right now, the Series X has one terabyte of storage. This says it would have two terabytes. As it's diskless, you would want more storage. Right now, the only official way to add storage to Xbox consoles is either a USB external drive um, where you can store current-gen games, but you can't run them from the USB drive, or older games that you can run from them. The only other way is this sort of accessory that you plug into the console from the back that's built to run like it's part of the Xbox storage. But they cost relatively to PlayStation 5 options where you third party. Um, a little more disassembling, but it's easy. I, I've been able to do it. Um, those have gotten cheaper, but Xbox's options are proprietary, so they haven't seen the crazy uh, drops in costs that SSDs have across the board. But this is very interesting stuff. Um, I, obviously, this this caught me off guard. Uh, along with everyone else, some reporters say this is the largest Xbox leak in history, which says a lot because just recently, Microsoft accidentally leaked 38 terabytes of data uh, by Microsoft, uh, okay, well, Wiz Research discovered a massive 38 terabyte data leak by Microsoft AI researchers, including 30,000 internal Teams messages. They said in a statement, no customer data was exposed, Microsoft said this, and no other internal services were put at risk because of this issue. No, cons no customer action is required in response to this issue. Very interesting. Um, I wanted to mention that because this is, that just recently happened too. But obviously, gamer-wise, this is... Um, Phil Spencer has addressed it, um, hinting that Microsoft's plans may have changed even as some documents were from last year and others from years prior. One big one, 2020, around August or so, that surprised me. Phil Spencer said he would really like to buy Nintendo someday, saying acquiring Nintendo would be a career moment. If the opportunity to buy Nintendo arose, Xbox might actually do it. 
Now, from what I remember reading, Microsoft tried to acquire Nintendo a long, long time ago, around the time that they acquired another video game developer, Rare, and I think they were laughed out of the room. Um, so there's that. Now, this was also August 2020, a little for three years ago, um, but it was in an email to two top Microsoft marketing executives that he wrote, quote, Nintendo is the, uh, emphasis not mine, T-H-E capital, prime asset for us in gaming, and that, quote, getting Nintendo would be a career moment, and I honestly believe a good move for both companies. Now, as you should know, Nintendo exclusively makes games for their consoles, specifically now the Nintendo Switch, previously the Nintendo 3DS, the Wii U, other platforms before that, and very occasionally a mobile game that's really meant to, you know, make money and get people to be more interested in products like Mario and Fire Emblem, which have AAA products for the Switch. Uh, he also wrote in the email, I've had numerous conversations with the LT, which is presumably shorthand for leadership team, of Nintendo about tighter collaboration and feel like if any U.S. company would have a chance with Nintendo, we are probably in the best position. Now remember, this was 2020, so this was before the big deal of buying Bethesda, which makes Skyrim, and recently critically acclaimed Starfield, uh, came around. So they were probably in the market for buying companies in general. Um, and previous documents from this case revealed that Microsoft considered acquiring other studios, including Bungie, which made Halo, but currently makes Destiny. They're now owned by Sony. Uh, other studios that they were interested in is Sega, the big one, made Sonic, and Square Enix, the makers of Final Fantasy. Uh, that's a big deal. Very big deal. Um, he also said that he, quote, uh, he added that Microsoft's board of directors, quote, has seen the full write-up on Nintendo, parentheses, and Valve, makers of Half-Life and the big gaming platform Steam, and they are fully supportive on either if opportunity arises as am I. Weird that he said parentheses and Valve. The focus is on Nintendo. Very curious if they're not... I mean, I know there's like a big partnership between Microsoft and Valve at this point with Microsoft's Xbox previously exclusive to their Microsoft Store coming to Steam, like Halo Infinite, I think Forza Horizon, among other games, Sea of Thieves. And uh, yeah, that's a huge deal. Uh, this is a huge deal across the board. Uh, documents also contain a picture of a quote of a possible, quote, mobile controller, a, quote, one-hand controller, and a gaming keyboard and mouse that Microsoft apparently considered building itself. A lot of crazy stuff. I mean, when you make a pitch document to Microsoft as part of Microsoft, you're going to have a lot of crazy stuff in that document because you have the assumption no one's going to read it outside of Microsoft or maybe even outside of these executives that are looking to fund these. So when these crazy documents revealing this sort of ambition and vision that the company has up to apparently 2030, it's going to reveal a lot of things that I'm certain they probably didn't want to reveal knowing that they still have Sony to worry about on what they're going to show off. Now, with Microsoft considering future uh, implementation of frame rate interpolation, now maybe Sony could look at the PlayStation 6 and go, we need to make sure that's in there. But this idea of a hybrid computing platform for the sake of xCloud could also indicate that they're really pushing this sort of cloud streaming platform to be something that will truly be generational, life-changing. I'm not sure. This is my assumption. 
But I'm very, I continue to be very curious on what Microsoft's going to be doing because they control a lot in terms of the video game uh, industry and others. I mean, I'm recording this right now on a Windows 11 computer. I mean, you know, I mean, my, my preferred platform is not Xbox, but it's clear that Microsoft has a lot going for it. And to acquire Activision Blizzard, which has not happened yet, but it's likely to in the coming days or weeks, once they do that, they're going to be one of the largest companies, video game-wise, period. I mean, they already are to a degree. And it makes you wonder, what will Sony respond with? Now they have a lot of these details that I'm certain they didn't have access to before. And um, it's it, it's going to be strange. It's going to be very weird. I'm very excited. I'm actually excited. Um, and I will say the documents, if you wanted to access them uh, through the official means, they are deleted um, because this was completely accidental. And uh, yeah. So very, very curious to see what's going to ha happen with this. Now, I think the controller is set to release next year. Um, might arrive uh, in May 2024, but I think I read that it's expected to have an announcement later this year. So that'll be the first big indicator if all of this... I mean, th this is all legit. It came from Microsoft by accident. This is all true. Um, and it looks like it was this controller was already funded as well. So this is already said to happen, if it is to, assuming nothing changed since May last year. Massive stuff. Massive stuff. Um, let's go back into, wow, it's already been 40 minutes. All right. I got a lot more to talk, so let's just dump right in. Um, last week I talked about the iPhone 15 Pro and how it's going to be very capable of video gaming thanks to its introduction of hardware-accelerated ray tracing. Well, someone was able to get some footage of Resident Evil Village, which is a recently released game for video game consoles and PC, and hasn't really been officially released on anything mobile, unless you count Valve's Steam Deck as something, assuming it supports it. Well, someone, a YouTuber, that was reviewing it, was able to play Village on the 15 Pro. And the footage, from what is seen, looks pretty good. And this is interesting. He was able to hook up uh, the YouTuber being Vincent Zhang. Um, actually, let me confirm that, because the article I'm seeing says his last name differently. Yes. Okay, Z-H-O-N-G. I don't know why they say Z-H-A-N-G later. Uh, the Verge.com article. Uh, he later hooks up the phone to an external display because with the iPhone 15 Pro, you're able to um, hook it up to a display natively. And a PlayStation 5 DualSense controller. And apparently it looks pretty good. It's expect It looks closer to the expected quality that you would find from a video game console. Um, according to the captions of the video, the game's resolution is locked to 1560 by 720 so it's slightly better than 720p which is a which is actually pretty low resolution for modern gaming and that the frame rate is currently quote currently locked at 30 frames per second okay pretty good stuff um i'm excited for that uh wow that's pretty good uh i can't wait for to see how android phones react and what kind of games they end up introducing because AAA gaming on the go locally without needing an internet connection or streaming that's crazy very crazy uh, this is also crazy. Uh, apparently, the UK has passed a massive online safety bill. The UK online safety bill. Oh. Uh, and it looks like it's about to become law, and it puts privacy at risk. Um, yeah, it, it passed the Houses of Parliament uh, earlier today, actually, and imposes strict requirements on large social platforms to remove illegal content. It'll be enforced by UK telecom regulatory agency, Ofcom. 
and it also mandates new age-checking measures to prevent underage children from seeing harmful content, pushes large social media platforms to become more transparent about the dangers they pose to children, while also giving parents and kids the ability to report issues online. Potential penalties are also harsh, up to 10% of a company's global annual revenue. That's insane. And it's been reworked several times in a multi-year journey through Parliament. So it raises serious privacy concerns, putting encrypted messaging services like WhatsApp at risk. Um, as messaging services are encrypted, it's technically not supposed to be possible to have anyone except you and the person you're chatting being able to read those messages. So this bill would defy that. They would have to be able to see all the content you're reading, uh, that you're writing, just to make sure it's nothing illegal. Um, so yeah, massive privacy uh, breakage. Uh, this could essentially break apps to end encryption promise, preventing third parties, including the app itself. Uh, the encryption prevents third parties, including the app itself, from viewing users' messages. In March, WhatsApp, owned by Meta, which makes Facebook endless, refused to comply with the bill and threatened to leave the UK rather than change its encryption policies. It joined Signal, a very encrypted uh, messaging platform, and other m encrypted messaging services in protesting the bill, uh, leading UK regulators, regulators to attempt to assuage their concerns by promising to only require technically feasible measures. I'm reading more of this article than I normally would um, into the podcast because this is pretty big stuff. Uh, as I'm not in the UK, good old US of A, uh, this, doesn't, this doesn't affect me directly as much as it will there, but, I mean... For someone in the U.S. to talk to someone in the U.K., there, there can't be encryption, which defies a lot of these messaging's whole ambition. WhatsApp had a big commercial that ran for a long time that said, if you're sending texts through SMS, it's not encrypted. But through WhatsApp, it is. And it's free. Um, so, yeah, very, very not good thing. Um, uh, Signal president Meredith Whitaker has... Uh, indicated that Signal was not in imminent danger of leaving the UK. He said, quote, she, sorry, I'm deeply sorry. She said, quote, well, this is not the ideal outcome. We are cautiously optimistic to see reality breaking through and our position remains consistent. We will continue providing Signal as a tool for meaningful private communications in the UK and everywhere. And we will only, quote, leave, unquote, if the choice is between adulterating the privacy guarantees of people who use Signal depend on or exiting. So, yeah, it's um, big stuff, big, big stuff. Uh, scary. Um, I'm very curious to see what will happen uh, before this actually goes through. Um, it's about to become law. It was passed. A matter of moments on when. Uh, speeding things up a bit. I just got plenty more to talk about. Uh, here's a mini Samsung section. Um, so credit cards. You got to love it. You got to hate it. Maybe a bit of both. Their new American Express card, only in South Korea, works with Samsung's version of Find My, which is uh, titled Smart Things Find. Now, if you have an iPhone, it's probably called Find My iPhone, or just Find My in general. Now, um, we're able to see and locate where your Apple devices are, wherever they are, because of the technology, the wireless bands that they use, whether it's ultra-wideband or Bluetooth low energy. Well, Samsung just introduced the Internet of Things card. A credit card that works with the service. Um, Samsung hasn't announced if a similar offering will be going to. So it works like you'd expect it to. You add the card to SmartThings Find. Um, other Samsung dev devices that detect it will report its location back to you. So if you lose this card, well, I mean, thanks to Bluetooth Low Energy being built in, you'll be able to 
track it down to a degree. Um, now, keep in mind, as this isn't exclusively as of now in South Korea, if you do have, if you're in the U.S., you can't get this. But you don't have no other options. You could do what I do and put a tracker, a, like a Samsung Smart Tag or Apple AirTag, into your wallet. Um, and uh, yeah, that, that's also that's just an option. Um, although when this does come around, I don't know if I'll be getting a card exclusively for this sort of functionality. But it is pretty cool. I mean, when tech companies introduce their own credit card, or where I know Apple has this whole. Apple Pay, Apple Wallet, um, Apple Card. Maybe Samsung, you know, being as big as they are. Could. Samsung app uh, confirming that they're going to be releasing something called the Galaxy Ring along with a release date of next. In an update to the Galaxy Wearable app, which is an app you need if you have uh, Samsung's Galaxy watches like I do, uh, an icon was first spotted by users on a Korean forum that gives a rough idea of what Samsung's upcoming smart ring looks like. That's to say... It looks like a ring. It does. It, it literally just looks like a ring. That's the Galaxy Ring. Um, it's expected to be a device focusing on health tracking, similar to something called the Aura Ring, the O-U-R-A Ring, which is pricey. I think it's around 300 bucks, but it has a lot of different tracking capabilities that allow you to get more health tracking information out of you um, to benefit yourself. Um, it could be interesting. Um, a leaker chimed in that the Ring will be the, quote, star of Samsung's next big unpacked event, which is usually around. That's where they announce um, Samsung's Galaxy S phones for the year. So January, they'll probably also announce the Galaxy S24 to go along with it. Very interesting. Uh, I'm excited for this. If it's cheap, hey, I mean, maybe I'll be interested because I always love tracking that sort of information and being able to. And an article I read somewhere, I think it was more opinionated, said it could work maybe well with your own Galaxy Watch. I have the Galaxy Watch 4. I already have health check at all times. But, you know, having that sort of extra information that could work with it could be a little in interesting, to say the least. What's also interesting is uh, <laughs> what's been happening with Unity. The game engine that I mentioned a little bit last week, where I was just a little bit disgusted with, with their revenue install fee that they were trying to push forward, and... Game developers unified to say, that's stupid. Well, Unity saw that, and they're planning to change at least part of its, quote, this article says, disastrous new pricing program. What exactly will be changing is currently unknown as of this article that was published yesterday afternoon. Um, the update will likely be out sometime this week, Unity said in an update. However, a new report from Bloomberg outlines the shape of the changes, uh, Bloomberg reporter Jason Schreier, sorry if I said that wrong, S-C-H-R-E-I-R-E-R, under the tentative new plan quote that, that Unity will limit fees to 4% of a game's revenue for customers making over a million dollars and said that installations kind of toward, toward reaching the goal threshold won't be retroactive. Okay, still stupid, but I guess horrific. Um, under the new plan, it seems like Unity will still charge per installation, but it will cap the charge of 4% for games making over a million dollars. For now, it's not known if there's a cap on fees for games making under that amount, and it seems like Unity will only assess installs made after January 1st instead of retroactively applying the fee to games already released that have met. Um, no matter what happens, the damage has been done. I mean, I've seen developers saying if anything like this goes through, they're Cult of the Lamb, a very well-known indie game published by Devolver Digital, said 
if this game if this goes through January first, we're removing the game, which is pretty big news. Cult of the Lamb, I think, from what I've heard, is a pretty well received game. So just to have it removed is pretty nuts. And other developers are saying we're gonna move away from Unity. We're not gonna have Unity be used for future developments, and we're probably not. And we some are considering to just swap over the engine as a whole for their currently released games or even the ones they're making now. Obviously, this is that was completely unexpected. Uh, horrible stuff. I, I hope they just reverse it outright. Stupid. Genuinely stupid. I don't know if it's a hot take or a cold ice take. It's stupid, objectively, in my subjective opinion. Uh, what's not stupid? New emojis. You love it? Maybe you hate it? New emojis have been approved by the Unicode Consortium Emoji 15.1. So be on the lookout for these sort of new emojis. They include a... Uh, a head uh, nodding and shaking its head. A phoenix looks like a mushroom. A chain breaking. Some uh, family icons and uh, people walking and running, and also some in wheelchairs. Okay, uh, it's always cool to have new emojis come. when whenever they arrive to your phone. Will de- um, and you can always submit your own proposal to the Unicode Consortium um, as submissions reopen April next year phoenix eh, it's an interesting one uh i'm excited uh that that one's gonna be probably used often i'm not sure why but i feel like uh there's also a lime you gotta love limes gotta love limes especially lemon limes um now a little bit of vr you gotta love vr 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 meta connect is coming up later this month a little over a week i think um so (laughs) uh little bit of info, both good and bad. We'll start with the good. Horizon Worlds avatars now walk among the virtual universe with their own legs. It was already revealed in a, I think, beta updates to and pro. And legs were introduced to your character when you were standing in your home location. Well, now they are in the Horizon Worlds universe. That's right. You've got legs now. Keeping in mind, your own legs are not visible from first. Darn. But... This has been what Mark Zuckerberg previously described as probably the most requested feature. And, yeah, big stuff. Uh, As Upload VR notes, third-party apps can't yet replicate these avatars with leg. They might have to wait for Connect Conference later this month, uh, where we're likely to get a much closer look at the upcoming Quest 3 VR headset, as I mentioned before. Um, The headset that will cost $500. Uh, I mean, Pete's $3,500 from Apple. But it's also completely, completely, completely different. Um, cool. And a little on Horizon Worlds. It is finally coming to mobile and the web. The flagship virtual reality title will no longer be chained to VR headsets like the Quest. Um, a small a small number of people can now access Super Rumble, one of the worlds, I guess, in Horizon Worlds. Through the MetaQuest app on Android with iOS rolling out in the coming weeks. I think I tried, this, tried to try this out a few days ago. Wasn't able to. I have the MetaQuest, of course, as I have the Quest 2. Early access is also available on any web browser at horizon.meta.com. I could check right now. Request access. So you could request access, but I don't, but unless you have access now, you won't be able to, of course. So, you know, things will probably go further, but maybe they won't push anything until the Connect conference. It's all in that Connect conference. Um, what probably won't be discussed that Meta is shutting down three Oculus games without saying why um dead and buried dead and buried 2 or bogo will be shutting down 
March 15th, Friday uh, next year. Um, this is interesting because Dead and Buried 2 was a $20 game. So it's unknown if it's going, if buyers will have consider, uh, any sort of compensation or refund because that's just straight up a game that's going to disappear. And I think it's like online services for the game. Um, so it's very strange, but from what I'm reading, um, it, it just doesn't make any sense. I mean, maybe it makes sense, but this is not the first time they've shut down a game recently. Echo Arena was a multiplayer game that the meta CTO had to spin up his own explanation um, on explaining why they're shutting it down, but it's it, it wasn't good enough. I, there was still backlash at the end of the day, and the game has, I think, shut down last month. R.I.P. I played it a few times. It was pretty interesting. There's very little like it. Um, but, yeah, I mean, this it's stupid. It's always weird when a game shuts down, and they don't even tell you why. Um, so that's annoying. All right, and now the final video game topic of the night, where I am. Nintendo Direct. Nintendo, big company that Microsoft apparently considered buying in 2020. Uh, they had the Nintendo Direct, and it was big. A lot of big stuff came out. Uh, a new F-Zero game, albeit a free-to-play Battle Royale for online members. Uh, Mario and Donkey Kong, a very good puzzle game that I remember playing on the Nintendo DSi, is returning after years of idling. I think they had a Wii U and 3DS release. It's being remade for Switch in February. A new Princess Peach game that was shown off before received a name, Princess Peach Showtime, launching in March. A single-player expansion for Splatoon 3, a very beloved game that I like a lot. Um, already announced, but more was shown off, and that's coming early next year. And a really big one, Paper Mario The Thousand-Year Door, a very beloved Nintendo GameCube release that kind of hasn't had any sort of re-release anywhere because that's it's a GameCube title. Well, it's being remade for the Switch, and it's going to be released next year. Now, if you're wondering, Super Mario RPG, another beloved SNES title that was the first R traditional RPG for Super Mario, is being remade. I think it's releasing later, I think November, December, around that area. Um, it looks great. There was a, another look at that as well, and yeah, pretty big stuff. No mention of what's being released after the Nintendo. As we all know, the Nintendo Switch was announced in 2016 as what it is, and it released March 2017. It's now been about and a half year since it released, which is close to a full generation, and we have no idea what's releasing after the Switch. A lot of reports are saying it's something's going to release next year, titles unknown. A big thing that came out, I think, from the Microsoft uh, leaked documents was that Activision actually had an up-close look with what they're calling the NG Switch. NG, my uh, next generation. So that's probably an unofficial title as well. Hopefully there's forward compatibility, putting in your Switch games in, and they just work probably even better. Um, also, a funny thing that I wanted to mention, the some of the trailers for the new Switch games, including the Thousand Year Door, for some reason had color-coded buttons for their ABXY when shown off in the trailer um, for no specific reason. They didn't match color-wise with how the GameCube buttons looked, and games in general haven't really been doing that. They've been uh, white or black because that's how the Joy-Con and uh, Pro Controllers have looked. So if they're being color-coded, uh, I think it was more than one title as well. It wasn't just The Thousand Year Door. Another game has something like that as well. I don't remember which one, unfortunately, but... 
that uh, I think it might have been Super Mario RPG. Might have been that one. Um, but yeah, a lot of remakes were announced. Uh, some new titles. Princess Peach making a comeback. Uh, it's showtime for her. And uh, I'm pretty excited. I like Nintendo's games, not the company. They do a lot of problems uh, that are not liked by content creators. But their games continue to be very good, and I uh, cannot wait for what happens with the, whatever comes after the Switch. Nintendo Focus, uh, debunked rumor. Um, NG Switch, strange name. Beats the Wii U, though. Switch 2? Super Switch? I would prefer either of those. All right. I've now exceeded an hour. Uh, it'll be cut a little bit because of uh, condensing Dead Space. Not the game. Um, now back into, you know it, maybe you enjoy it, the Futurology section, where I take a look at what could affect us as people and a society in the future. And it's another doubleheader, as I did last week. Uh, I'm going to start with the stranger one. Neuralink, a company I think owned by Elon Musk, is now recruiting subjects for the first human trial of its brain-computer interface. Not a fan, um, but I'll try to be unbiased. The study will take six years as looking for people with quadriplegia, Q-U-A-D-R-I-P-L-E-G-I-A, to test the whole Neuralink system. Um, the PRIME study, which apparently stands for Precise Robotechly, Robotically, robotically, whatever, I, I don't know why I can't say that, implanted brain-computer interface, even though the acronym makes no sense, is said to research three things at once. The N1 implant, which is the brain-computer device by Neuralink. The second is the R1 robot, the surgical robot that actually implants the device. And the third is the N1 user app. The software connects to the N1, translates brain signals into computer actions. This is not the all-encompassing brain-computer Musk has been talking about for years. Um, researchers have long been testing implants that let people with paralysis control computers and other devices too. Two recently published studies, for instance, showed brain-to-computer interfaces could help patients with ALS communicate by typing on a computer. The study is a big step for Neuralink, which won FDA approval in May after being rejected early last year. Um, a lot of controversy uh, because of overpromises, the internal practices, its treatment of monkeys re repeatedly has been an issue. Um, Musk recently said that the testing was only done on, quote, terminal monkeys, and that no monkey ever died as a result of the Neuralink implant, but, regula but regulators have found lots of problems with its treatment of animals. It's also under investigation for illegally transporting pathogen-laced devices removed from monkeys. Ooh, that's weird. Um, so it'll be very weird and interesting what happens here. It'll be people that participate will be in an 18-month study involving nine visits with researchers, and they'll spend at least two hours a week on brain-computer interface research sessions and then do 20 more visits over the next five years. They don't say how many, uh, Neuralink doesn't say how many subjects it's looking for or when it plans to begin the study, but it, only, it says it only plans to compensate, quote, for study-related costs, like travel to and from the study location. Not clear is where the location is. It only says it's received approval from, quote, our first hospital site. That's scary, some scary stuff. Um, if it benefits people and is overall safe and effective... Hey, I mean, I'm down to see where it goes, but it is Elon Musk, and unfortunately, I do have a bad opinion of him with X, formerly known as Twitter, and the, some of the things he's been saying, some of the things he's been pushing as a whole on the platform, um, so I'd be a little cautious with it. We'll move on now to the last thing we'll be, I'll be covering today. I, I said from the beginning, 
A historic phone call. AT&T helped connect the first satellite 5G phone call. AT&T's 5G spectrum was leveraged by AST Space Mobile to make a phone call a satellite. Uh, AST Space Mobile, a satellite cellular company backed by AT&T, placed a satellite call over 5G, marking the, quote, first ever 5G connection between unmodified smartphone and a satellite in space. It was conducted September 8th using a Galaxy S22, not even the newest phone. Um, this year, it's the S23, from a wireless dead zone in Maui, Hawaii, with its recipient located in Madrid, Spain. They got the cell signal to its destination by leveraging its low-Earth orbit test satellite called Blue Walker 3 and AT&T's 5G Spectrum. Vatafone, Nokia, and AT&T all validated the call. Uh, there were a few tests leading up to this. In April, Space Mobile routed its first space-based phone call on their 2G network, later sending a 4G LTE signal from space that an ordinary phone managed to pick up. And now, AST Space Mobile says it has broken the download speed record before of 10 megabits per second, achieving around 14. Sounds pretty low, but it's satellite technology. It's not, I guess, horrible, relatively. Um, so this is uh, the CEO of AST Space Mobile, Abel Avil uh, Avalan, said, quote, once again, we have achieved a significant technological advancement that represents a paradigm shift in access to information. Since the launch of BW3, Blue Walker 3, we have achieved full compatibility with phones made by all many major manufacturers and support for 2G, 4G LTE, and now 5G. Because screw 3G. Um, I mean, it's been shut down across the board. R.I.P. Um, but 2G still has to stick around. But big stuff. Um, for, content, for comparison, Apple has rolled out emergency texting via satellite with its iPhone 14 and now 15. And T-Mobile is working with satellite connectivity with SpaceX's Starlink satellites. So it's not like AT&T is leading the way by itself and no one else. But this is the first satellite-based 5G phone call. Maybe we'll see more of that in uh, more wireless dead zones like in Maui, Hawaii, um, back on the 8th. And very interesting to see where this goes. I'm very excited for all of that. Um, and that'll be it for me. Uh, a lot of stuff was covered today. Um, this past week was a lot of stuff, especially the Microsoft. I think Microsoft alone took up like 20 minutes at least. So a lot of big stuff, and I can't wait for more chill weeks. These podcasts seem to be getting larger by the week. As, I, as I'm a one-take Jake for these, to be the most flow consistent with these. Um, it's consistently getting more interesting and a little more challenging, but I continue to push forward for the sake of bringing out the information that intrigues all of us, especially in entertainment technology, VR, and, of course, what the future holds for civilizations. But enough of all that. Uh, that'll be it for me here. Thank you all for tuning in and listening. I appreciate it, as I always have been, and I will catch you all around in the next one. Until then... Take care of yourselves and have a good one. Peace.